Hello and welcome to Critical Line Item. My name's Tom Rablick. Thank you for joining me for this podcast. Australia's media landscape has had a very tumultuous time over the past two or three months. Not that it's been easy for a while in any case. Media organisations have stood people down and others have actually shut down arms of their Australian media empires. I refer here to sites like you know, 10 Daily as well as BuzzFeed. One of the issues is for us out there is to understand what exactly has happened and not all of it is the result of the pandemic. The pandemic has possibly accelerated certain trends. There's also the role of Facebook and Google and what people are going to be able to do to bring back some lost income that the media organisations need to hold on to their staff, produce content, as well as grow their organisations going forward. Now, to help me explore that is a veteran journalist, an ABC broadcaster, former 7.30 report host, Quentin Dempster. Quentin, thank you for joining me today. Hi, Tom. Now, it, there are people who will be picking up on this particular podcast who won't necessarily be familiar with your history. Uh, where have you been and what have you done? I've been a journalist for 52 years, started at the Maribyrnong Chronicle, Regional Daily, Brisbane Telegraph, Afternoon Daily, owned by the Herald and Weekly Times, Courts, Police, uh, Industrial, eventually Political, State Political Reporter, moved to the ABC in 84 as a political uh, correspondent, became a, a presenter through the Fitzgerald Inquiry, was transferred by the ABC to New South Wales in uh, 1990, covered the Wood Royal Commission and New South Wales politics. I've been involved in uh, the ABC uh, argument since I was on the board of the ABC from 92 to 96 uh, and uh, ended up uh, 30 years in the ABC in current affairs. I've written three books mainly about uh, the difficulties of journalism and uh, exposure of, uh, of wrongdoing. Uh, and now I'm uh, a contributing editor for The New Daily and Crikey. That's a pretty, yeah, a pretty lengthy CV. So 50, 52 years, you started in basically local, local papers, ended up at the National Broadcaster and yeah, you really an elder statesman of journalism in many respects. Well, um, we never give up. I'm still a journalist. And uh, there are a lot of, uh, because of the disruption in the media we're going to discuss, Tom, it's, uh, there are a lot of uh, journalists uh, who are, are working from home, not just from COVID-19, but uh, because they've been made redundant by the uh, private media owners uh, because of Google and Facebook. And uh, all that wonderful experience uh, is uh, just sitting there. Some have got uh, outlets uh, and others uh, are still searching for outlets. So I, I feel very strongly about uh, the future of uh, journalism and pathways for all those university kids who are, who are saying, oh, we want to go and be a journalist and uh, where are the jobs going to be for them into the future? And that That's something that I went through back in the early 90s when I completed a degree in journalism at RMIT down here in Melbourne. So I know exactly where those young people uh, are coming from. Now, we, in terms of 
the media before the pandemic, as I said in the introduction, the pandemics rattled people. What was the situation through your eyes before the pandemic hit? The media, as we've, I've just mentioned, has already disrupted because of the global tech giants and the loss of advertising revenue. Advertising re a dependent media has been in great difficulty uh, before then because uh, uh, the, the bulk of the ad revenue had gone to the tech giants. Uh, it had already the rivers of gold for newspapers, Tom, as you know, had uh, really dissipated through the 1990s uh, uh, where uh, the classified ads went off in their own website. So the, uh, uh, the underpinning, the economic foundation of uh, print media in Australia and around the world had, uh, has changed. So uh, pre-COVID-19, uh, the, uh, the media was in, in trouble. Um, uh, but the amazing thing, well, not so amazing when you think of it, but uh, through the bushfires in late 2019 and into 2020, the catastrophic bushfires and then COVID-19, audiences for all media, all media, public uh, media and uh, private media has increased as people are absolutely desperate for uh, factual information and good interpretation of exactly what's going on. So audiences are up. If only we could uh, have, the, have the money to sustain the employment uh, in the industry. But you know, while we're concerned about that, uh, every sector of the Australian economy has been devastated by COVID-19. And so the argument for each sector of the economy is, uh, and each industry is how we're going to rebuild and, uh, and uh, get uh, the vibrant um, uh, pathways for young people and their skills uh, into, a, into a, a more vibrant, uh, recovered Australian economy. One of the things that I've noticed uh, is the commentary on social media over the past month and a half, two months, where organisations have been letting people go or people have been announcing their resignations online and all of the... And it's just been a dribble of resignations over over that period of time. To me, it seems somewhat unprecedented that we've been hit that way with, with as many job losses in, in what almost, we'll call it one hit. Um, am I wrong in thinking that? Uh, waiting for the audit, Tom, on the, on the actual job losses. Um, some could be temporary. Hopefully, all those newspapers which were suspended in their publication over COVID-19, some of them will come back. But it looks like a lot of the boards of the media companies have taken advantage of COVID-19 to say, listen, uh, uh, we're already in trouble. We might as well uh, uh, use COVID-19 to, uh, to make the ultimate decision of, uh, of uh, termination of uh, print. Uh, we've got to see exactly what happens in the huge fight that's on now between Google and Facebook and the Australian local media. All media companies uh, are really dependent on the ACCC's new concepts paper and the regulation of revenue sharing, the first in the world, Tom, the revenue sharing to be regulated by the Australian Competition and Consumer Commission. They're meant to be having uh, their draft legislation out in early July and both the, the Morrison government and the Albanese opposition have indicated bipartisan support for the world's first media sharing regulations. 
Why do you think that, before we go into the ACCC's work, I've had a bit of a look at it myself, but uh, why do you think that uh, organisations in the media over a period of time um, have let things slide with Google and Facebook? I mean, it, it, it this has crept onto people for ever since these platforms have been in existence, surely. It's a two-way street when you look at when a lot of people access media now on their devices, on their smartphones, unbelievable instantaneous access. It's wonderful user experience. You can download the New York Times and the Washington Post uh, 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 and every, every media outlet if you want to subscribe. Also, there's a lot of free media. So don't get me wrong, there's a lot of content uh, there that's uh, freely available through digital devices. Google and Facebook... Um, through their search engines uh, and their browsing capacity have been able to get the eyeballs first. A lot of free media like the ABC and, and uh, uh, the New Daily and The Conversation and The Guardian uh, are happy to have Google and Facebook because they're free. It's the paywalled media that had been underwritten by the advertising revenues, the ones that are in, in really seriously disrupted now. So it's uh, when you say they it crept up on them, it has, but the uh, the paywall media in particular has been unable to uh, uh, to uh, advance its its cause until now when they got the support of Josh Frydenberg and uh, Paul Fletcher, the treasurer and the communications minister, to move to a regulated revenue sharing arrangement. So that's what's in play at the moment. But it's not only Australia, Tom. As you know, it's uh, all around the world. These these tech uh, titans are, are now huge uh, uh, in in their revenues. There's big, big arguments about their tax arrangements in the countries where they have devastated and disrupted local media. But for a democracy like ours, the argument is we really need local media to play its crucial role in informing. And we talked about COVID-19. I was so delighted and very proud of the Australian media of its uh, reporting of COVID-19, which has allowed the, our politicians, the Federation and the National Cabinet, to really talk to an informed polity because of the work of the media in educating and informing the public about what was at stake and how we should discipline ourselves through COVID-19. So the media's got some very grave faults, I'm sure everybody is aware, uh, of those faults, but it's also a great cohesive force in a democracy like Australia, far-flung 25 million people over this vast continent and the islands. What are the key uh, proposals from your perspective that the ACCC has in its discussion paper that's out at the moment? It's, um, it's looking at what they call an imbalance of uh, power, an imbalance of power, uh, uh, negotiating power uh, and it's looking at ways by which the media it can it can uh, regulate to force Google and Facebook to negotiate meaningfully for the use of copyright material from the media uh, from which it gets a first take uh, on those eyeballs to aggra aggregate those eyeballs it also gets advantage of user data, which it's been using very successfully to take over the bulk of advertising, of consumer advertising in Australia and around the world. So 
Rod Sims and the ACCC have got to come up. They're negotiating with Google and Facebook and all stakeholders now through their submissions. They've got to come up with a piece of legislation which is an enforceable uh, uh, law which makes Google and Facebook sit down either collectively or individually with media companies and say, yes, there is value in us getting access to your uh, copyrighted content, either through snippets or the whole the whole outlet, the, the, the video or the audio. This podcast, if, for example, uh, Tom, uh, if, if you get a big audience for it or you get any audience for it, arguably, if that's uh, access through Google and Facebook, well, you should, as the, as the content owner, as the copyright owner, you arguably should receive some money for this. There will be no money for, for me because <laughs> I'm doing this for free. But you, as the copyright owner, arguably should receive some money for, for this. If people click on uh, this podcast or my article in the in the New Daily, arguably uh, that is a and they click it through uh, Facebook or Google, arguably there should be some recompense to the content creator. Uh, the we've lost thousands of jobs in print media and media in Australia uh, over the last uh, ten years, uh, thousands of jobs, and that's devastating to a country like ours, let alone the democratic uh, uh, impacts that that has. And there are, a couple, there, there are several issues with dealing with Facebook and Google, one of which is the institutional relationship that uh, Google or Facebook have with uh, a media organisation, say it's Nine Entertainment or News Corporation, but there's something else as well. Uh, and that is how do they police individual users who might have a subscription, for example, to a website and who then cut and paste the content of stories that they don't own. It's not their content, right? It's not They don't have a copyright for a story on, well, what's going on in the US with Trump, right? Um, is there... It's all very well for the organisations to be paying, uh, we get get payment rather from Google and Facebook for copyright use or licensing. Is there a role for Facebook and Google to police individual users of uh, their services to ensure that the users aren't um, infringing any agreement that Facebook and Google have entered into? You're right. These issues will come up because once they once they put a monetary value on these things, uh, those who misuse, as it were, uh, if, you, if you can get a proper monetization of your copyrighted intellectual property, your content, anybody who misuses, cut, cuts and pastes and what have you, that will become an issue. Remember when uh, somebody leaked Malcolm Turnbull's book to the uh, to the Australian or News Corporation and Malcolm's. Uh, Publishers, lawyers went after them uh, because it's uh, it's copyright. That was the, his intellectual property to release uh, at uh, at the the time that he determined. Well, that becomes an issue, Tom. Uh, exactly what is the proper use of uh, material that uh, as uh, people should be paid for its production? Now I know that nowadays anybody can be a journalist. You got an iPhone, you can uh, type up an article, and you can. You can tweet it and put it on the website, put it on your Facebook page. Anybody can be a journalist. So that becomes another issue 
about uh, who should be recompensed for for uh, the the content, the original content that they create, and it's a it's a vexed issue. And I think uh, I've already indicated in an article I wrote for the New Daily that Google and Facebook may well take the ACCC and the Australian government to uh, the federal court and the high court to test this country's competition and copyright laws. And the whole of the the world's media will be looking at that. In Europe, they put in a, what's called a Google tax. Uh, in Spain, they had an aggregation fee to try to get some money back for local content creators. This is the first time there'd be regulated uh, uh, revenue sharing for what amounts to a shared use of uh, original copyrighted content. See, the, what we've done up to this point, Quentin, is we've covered the issue of the content as it stands and the fact that the media overall and individual journalists in particular have not been paid for their IP, have not been paid for the intellectual capital, the end product, uh, in an appropriate fashion. There's, there's another issue that's really critical, I think, and please correct me if you think I've, I've read the play wrong, but the other challenge is not just to make large social media company companies to pay properly, but there's also a challenge for the entire journalistic profession, given the tendency that, that, that some people have to snipe, snipe at each other, to demonstrate there is value in what journalism does and journalism offers. Um, is there any reflection that you'd care to to make on that? Uh, well, uh, uh, that's par for the course, I suppose, uh, in the sense that uh, the ri media rivalries are, are so intense that uh, uh, vilifying or, or um, uh, attacking a, a rival in another media uh, organisation is uh, sort of par for the course. Um, it's a bit uh, unedifying, I think, Tom, which is what you're driving at, in, particularly at a time of a national emergency when you get petty bickering going on or Ray Hadley versus Alan Jones or, or whatever. Uh, that's, that's media rivalry and you're playing to your support base and your constituency as you see it or your market, your, your base market. That's just media uh, gamesmanship. Uh, it's, it's unedifying uh, for a public which uh, has been uh, under a great deal of distress and will be in continuing distress as we strive to recover from uh, COVID-19. So I, it all washes over me. It doesn't really matter uh, in that sense. Uh, I've, picked, uh, I've picked holes in uh, other journalists' work, uh, uh, hopefully collaboratively in the sense of uh, I, I disagree with what you've said or that fact is wrong. Hopefully journalists would pick me up on any factual inaccuracy on my part. And if you're an ethical journalist, you can say, oh, gee, I've made a mistake there. I'm, uh, that fact is wrong. I must correct it. So it becomes an argument about uh, uh, Andrew Bolt or, or all, the, all the players playing to their base uh, uh, being called to account. So I, I'm not worried about it, uh, mate. It's, uh, it's part of the game. And I think the audience can see it but it is un unedifying, uh, like political bickering on the floor of the parliament. 
uh, if we're robust enough for it, we can, uh, we can cope with it. Where, where good media operators and good practitioners can really make a contribution is through a, a respectful clash of ideas. Uh, what we in the ABC used to say, well, what, what's the public broadcaster there to do but to facilitate a clash of ideas through its current affairs program and not to walk away from it. Yeah, it's just interesting. I've had the opportunity to reflect on it, uh, working as I do from a desk at home, <laughs> um, and just observing the the challenge that people put to each other, but whether or not the public, you know, while, while the public might see it as bickering or gamesmanship, whether or not that at times diminishes the way in which journalism as a profession is viewed overall? Well, uh, journalists uh, uh, were uh, worse than uh, used car salesmen in some. There are, there are various indexes of uh, the trusted uh, uh, journals and journalists, and um, uh, but we're all thrown into the one big bucket of called the media. And uh, if uh, you don't uh, like what the media is doing, you could attack the media uh, uh, generally. But uh, a lot of people, I think, uh, um, are very appreciative of uh, those journalists who are striving, striving with all their uh, intellect and resources to uh, inform the public about what is really going on. Those who are playing games uh, to, to, you know, it's easy to get an audience, Tom, if you uh, appeal to what you perceive to be the prejudices of, uh, of your audience. Alan Jones is one example. You can... Uh, engender a lot of uh, uh, audience on the basis of uh, of, uh, of fear and prejudice, uh, but the real uh, goal and, and uh, cause of good journalism is to inform the inform the public uh, about what is really going on and not to uh, uh, to appeal to prejudices which we know to exist. I guess he and it's probably it's probably the last question, Quentin, because it ties in. Uh, with what we've been talking about for uh, the past few moments, um, we've seen over the past three years, four years, uh, Donald Trump having a crack at the media in the US. Um, and then uh, this week we've seen Senator uh, Sarah H- Henderson having a crack at the ABC over the one of the whimsical uh, program dealing with, you know, being together at home in isolation during the pandemic. Um, does that also create, in your view, some issues for, for media practitioners? Uh, well, uh, Sarah Henderson having a go at Ray Martin's show, uh, all, all at Home Alone, uh, well, that's, you know, anybody can criticise a show. I don't like it or, or didn't, didn't, it wasn't funny or what have you. Uh, I had a look at that show. I thought uh, there were very good elements uh, in it and um, it's a sort of black humour <laughs> as everybody has to stay at home and uh, that's you know, led to a lot of satirical and wonderful moments of shared uh, uh, material. So I'm not too uh, uh, fussed about that uh, in particular. It's um, uh, to each his own as far as taste is concerned. But it's a question of... Uh, of being able to uh, uh, engage and entertain as well as uh, inform and, and uh, to defend the ABC, which is a flawed institution. I'm more than 
happy to confess that the, as a public broadcasting advocate, the ABC is a flawed institution. It makes mistakes. There's inexperience. Uh, there's bad judgment, but there's also a hell of a lot of good stuff uh, out there. So we've got to be able to be robust enough to be able to uh, uh, take uh, the criticisms uh, that uh, uh, we don't like or sting a bit. But is the criticism from a politician that in, on the government side of politics um, more significant if you're sitting in the ABC than the average, uh, the average punter sitting at home? To experienced uh, people inside the ABC or any other media outfit, uh, it should be water off a duck's back, uh, given that uh, there's, we're, we're striving for freedom of the press and uh, freedom of exchange. Uh, in Australia. Your first point, uh, which I should address, was about Trump attacking the media constantly, Tom. Uh, any question <laughs> any question that comes up that he doesn't like or appears to be too nasty, he says, that's fake news and you're a fake reporter um, uh, and puts them back on their hind legs as far as the, the personal uh, uh, attack, counterattack is concerned. I've seen politicians do that all through my career uh, in journalism. Oh, Joe Bjorka-Peterson in Queensland used to say, oh, I'm out to feed the chooks uh, and denigrate the media, uh, all the journalists in Queensland. Uh, so Trump is doing that, but he's already acknowledged that he's doing it because it creates a, a great deal of doubt about the, the media and its motivations as a collective force. Uh, and it's up to the media, whether you're, you're subject to these sorts of attack, to say, uh, well, you very well. We note we note your complaint or your, your concern, but these are the facts, Mr. President. And then uh, to go back to the facts, the only thing that will protect the journalist ultimately is uh, a, a public uh, is striving to get the facts to the public. The politicians sometimes are more powerful, use other outlets, other megaphones to do you over, but the facts are the ones that will stand you in good stead and will hopefully be able to maintain your reputation and you should be able to defend yourself uh, and your media organisation because you say, well, I'm sorry you don't like this, but these are the facts of the matter. Now, Quentin, before we uh, call it a day on this conversation, where can people find you uh, in terms of your written word and, and television appearances and whatever else you're doing? Uh, well, they can they can find me by googling me, <laughs> uh, and uh, uh, I'm writing, as I said, for the uh, the New Daily and Crikey, Crikey's got a paywall, um, but also a lot of my material is uh, easily accessible on uh, John Menager's site, Pearls and Irritations. If I do a lot of research, I've done things about needs-based funding in uh, Catholic schools. I've done things about uh, TAFE. Uh, I've done a lot of stuff on um, on media. Uh, that's available on uh, if you Google my name on the New Daily website or on uh, uh, Pearls and Irritations, uh, both free to the uh, to anybody. And you also appear on Sky from time to time. Uh, I do something for Sky. Uh, I've been on uh, occasionally with Shari Markson and Rowan Dean and uh, <laughs> and. Uh, Chris Kenny, uh, but uh, uh, that's not... You haven't, you, you've walked away without too many bruises, though. 
Well, you know, I think they, they want to get me on so that they can try to do me over, but um, uh, that's <laughs> par for the course. But the, as you know, I've been a, a great critic of the Murdoch press's influence and, and uh, malign influence on Australia uh, democracy because of its uh, of the lines it's running. You know, News Corporation is trying to get Trump re-elected, not only... Uh, and, and it's influencing foreign policy debate in Australia at the moment, re-China. Uh, we could have a whole seminar about that. Uh, and a lot of other people are very distressed about uh, what's happening uh, with uh, the China-US-Australian conundrum. Uh, and um, But Rupert up in, uh, with uh, Fox News in the US is uh, really trying hard to get uh, Trump re-elected in uh, November and everything everything you look at with uh, with Rupert has got to be looked at on the basis of what's his agenda here. I know he's uh, uh, old and almost retired, but uh, Lachlan is there uh, in News Corporation now. The other thing, Tom, to note, we're talking about media just quickly, is that both Kevin Rudd, former Prime Minister Rudd, and former Prime Minister Malcolm Turnbull both have shared concerns about the influence of uh, uh, the Murdoch press, the malign influence of the Murdoch press, on Australian democracy. Both have been out there in the public record concerned about that uh, that influence. And uh, it's a big factor in, in our foreign policy. It's a big factor in our in our economic recovery. Uh, and uh, it's what, what's called in the US the loudest voice. And uh, it really requires for the Australian democracy to work, to have many voices being heard and the meritorious nature of the... Of the um, a proposal or the argument coming up so the public at least can get some cohesion cohesion or consensus about what we should be doing. Now, the audience knows where to find you, where to look for you. Quentin Dempster, thank you for joining me today on Critical Line Item. All the best to you, Tom. <laughs> thank you so much.